Welcome to The Leather Sellers Presents Outside a Craft with me, Yusuf Osman. A podcast that seeks to rediscover the purpose and meaning of craft as we navigate complex issues that we face as individuals and together as a society. So Uzo, welcome to Outside a Craft. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I, I... I'm getting there. <laughs> so how did you feel when you got that phone call from a random person at half past 10 to be asking with, you to come onto a podcast? Um, I was expecting a different call, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah, so you yeah, were ready yeah, for yeah, something? Yeah. I was ready for something and I had a meeting. So I thought, okay, great. And um, yeah, I was designing something. I thought, okay, if I can. And I was like, okay. And you said, Joseph, I'm like, oh, podcast. <laughs> I saw, I, I don't know, I saw, I saw a meme. Um, it said Amazon, please limit all podcast equipments to people. Too many podcasts going on. I was like, oh, how appropriate. So I was like, all right, I'll go on a the podcast then. It must be a sign. So yeah, thanks for inviting me anyway. Thank you for saying yes at such short That's notice. Okay. Um, always, always happy to help another crafter. So yeah. But how, how did you come to that decision? Because a lot of people would be nervous or think that they need to be prepared or anything really but I didn't really sense any hesitation in your voice it was more yeah. about the logistics of getting here yeah. <laughs> within an hour so that we could record well, something to be honest I, there was not really much to it I have I have a very a very very like well I've tried to develop a very very efficient sifting process when it comes to saying yes to things right and usually um what takes precedence is if they're a crafter, it should be a quick yes or no. Because okay. I know what it's like to start something from scratch and not have mm. a lot of idea of you know direction to go to or you know mm. be clueless in a way. So if I'm helping another crafter, it's usually a quick yes, you know. Mm. If I have the means or the resources to fulfill that. Yeah. If yeah. I don't, then yeah, you know, I'll start thinking about the rest. And that comes from your own experience of starting as a craftsperson? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. In general, that's part, that's part of my character anyway. So for a crafter, it's so much more easier. Mm. So your character is to say yes, you mean? My character is to be accommodating. Accommodating. As much as I can, within reason. Mm. This is where the caveats start coming in, you know. But that's what you have yeah, to learn, right? Because exactly. I think for many of us, saying yes mm. is something we gravitate to and saying no is often harder. So, I mean, you mentioned that you've figured out that sifting yeah. process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that translates into... Saying no is difficult. It is difficult. Of yeah. your work. I'm glad you didn't say no today. <laughs> me too, me too. And I hope you feel the same at the end also. I'm, I'm okay. I'll be fine. When did you start Leathercraft? Same time as you, really. So, so 2014, I did right. my first class. Did okay. you even do a class? I've not done one no, class. You still yet. haven't done one, which is just amazing, right? You well, just went straight in. I, I don't think. know. Sometimes I feel like maybe there's things that I don't know that I need to know. When well, it comes I think to that's the thing that we all struggle with because nobody ever knows everything. Yes. And I thought, so it's always about the mindset. So, like, whether you start and you learn on the job or whether mm. you start like me and you wait, there'll always be something that you don't know. So it's more of the mindset of whether you're operating from a mindset of lack, which is how I seem to operate, whereas you're just like, go for it. Right. And even though you don't know and you maybe think you don't know, but you still go for it. I right, think right, right. There's not, for me, I don't think there's a right way. Yeah. But it's just where you get to in the end because we'll so, always not know stuff. Yes, you. there's always going to be an unknown. So I think I have two points to that. I think first... 
with me, I kind of, I was, I don't know, maybe I was a bit more, I don't know, audacious. I don't know. I, I was just very like, go. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps it's character, I don't know. But one thing I will say is that throughout all this journey, everything that I do, my actual invitation is not that I'm selling a, I don't know, a perfect piece. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually selling a journey. Like, mm. come with me. Like, mm. in, when I started, um, when I started Franco, on, on the web, my first, like, version 01 or 1 of the website, mm. I had pictures of my hands, you know, and just say, okay, look, like, see what I make. And if you like it, great. Mm. Come on the journey. I'm learning. I'm a self-dollar crafter. So you're mm. coming along with me through this journey. Mm. Um, and actually, till today, that translates in what I actually sell, you know. So I'm making a distinct decision not to go too fine of leather crafting because then it becomes, you can always buy a very beautiful bag that's very well made from mm -hmm. an array, like a number of people. Yeah, yeah. Different brands, different styles. You can always do that. But I think I try and make accessible pieces that, you know, it's its own story mm. for you between you and the actual item. <clears throat> so for me, like if I have a wallet, if I treat it really pristinely because I like the fact that it's leather crafted mm. and it's made by someone, I know where it comes from. I understand the material. I understand this whole story. Mm. It's great. Whereas some people, they have all that, but then they want to use it as an everyday piece. They want it to marked up. They want it, you know, and some people it's more of a mantle piece. They still want it looking mm. pristine. So I always want some of my goods to be, and then I know there are people to be, definitely to be used, but everyone uses it differently. And I think, you know, I'm, I, I guess I feel better knowing that I'm not making something that should be pampered. Mm. And you can still quite see the fact that um, the craft is at the heart of it or it's, it's the core thing. So it's kind of like, um, it might look a bit, I don't know, not so pristine, not so fine, but it's still yeah. quite clean. It's still quite, you know, attractive. So I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a tricky one. Well, it's things that I have been thinking about and even thinking about the act of this podcast mm. to kind of go meta about it. This is my second episode and already this has become something which, um, how can I say, is not planned, you know? Right. And just thinking about how I wanted to have this podcast pan out because mm. for me this is a new venture and so now <coughs> when I'm thinking about it as a craft in itself I realize that after listening to the first episode I'm judging myself based on this idea of how I want something to be I don't know what it is mm. but I'm judging myself and if I link it back to my craft it was the same thing I waited so long because I expected myself to be this hypothetical person who made these hypothetical <clears throat> things and you judge yourself by these standards right. and you think you're not ready and so what I'm learning from this experience right now and also looking back and learning about how I was in that journey of my crafting career so far, it's that so often we are afraid to come as we are. And that's what you've done so successfully, which is you said, I'm starting my craft. This is where I am. Yeah. I'm trying. This is where I am. And this is what I'm doing now. Yeah. And are you with me? You were not like, let me get to a stage before yeah. I, before I'm allowed to be seen. And I think generally we have a problem with that in society as humans. Right. We don't want to be seen as trying, as failing, as mm. as as going somewhere. <clears throat> and really that is actually what is the thing that connects us. When people see that we are yeah. trying and failing humans and we can yeah. bring them on the journey. But 
Yeah, but I think what I think what really made it easy for me was I actually really liked Leathercraft. So I I I kind of I cherished the the space it gave me to just be by myself and not be doing anything else, not being a computer screen. So it was a really it was a it was a relatively like I don't know. It's an easy decision to always pick up a, a mallet, you know, an awl, a blade, some thread and make something or pen and paper, design something and make it. But actually, <clears throat> if I'm being honest, I've tried to remind myself to always think, what do I really want? What did I, when I started it anyway, Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and actually what I really want is to be making. Mm-hmm. So when I'm making, I'm just, I'm just happy. So I just, it's easy for me to do that. And, I guess it's, it's it makes it easier just to be like mm. come along with the process when I'd already had fun and I'd already been like peaceful in making. Mm. So it's like this is the product of that time. So I'm happy to put it out there, however it looks. Can you tell me a bit more about what you see as your vision for the brand and why is it called Frank Horn? Because that's uh, not your name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's so the, the earlier when when I told you about the whole like Nigeria yeah. stuff, um, I don't know. So starting Frank Horn was actually an emotional thing for me, and I hate I I don't really talk about it too much. Why? It's just I don't know because I get croaky and I I start feeling a bit away. You know, it's just um, it's it's definitely self discovery. It's definitely self discovery, but I think it's like a I don't know. I don't know, I probably have a weird way of labeling that like, human evolution. So I, I only happened across, um, okay, so it's called Frank Horn. Let's just start there. Yeah. Because so my middle name is Francis. It was my dad's name and my grandfather's name as well. Mm. So it's a homage to them. And obviously Horn is a homage to the material. Like exactly. Actually, yeah. yeah. So I lost my dad in 2004. Right. So that was the whole process of like, um, I don't know, being, being in an environment where I mean, I always went back to Nigeria, but now I'm going back to Nigeria for a different thing to bury my dad and, you know, everything that that comes with. So, yeah. How old were you at that time? Oh, I was 19. So really young. I knew what? Yeah. To some, yeah. It was a young age to it generally was a young use age, your father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so that how much changed you? A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's what? That's, that's, well, that's how, that was the beginning. That was, that was the, the introduction genesis. to create. Yeah. So was, did you seek to be creative as a way of no I always was actually I always was so you know as a child or that's weird to say as a younger person (laughs) but as a child I I was always creative and you know my parents would say the same thing breaking things putting it together Mm. I was quite a technical person so but I think how I expressed it was more through like technology than actual Mm. than craft yeah so I used to like design and make aircraft like model aircraft so that was kind of like um a great pastime for me so i'd always had this maker in me and i'd always actually been creative um but this is a different type of creativity where i'm looking at actual craft and not just like um technology and stuff so yeah it was a bit weird but yeah yeah so that was the genesis of frank horn so it was a homage to like the people before me and the material yeah yeah Hold on, this is your question. But there's no horn in the business anymore. No, <laughs> no, no. I, I, well, there is, when I make bespoke products, I offer Add. parts of it, yeah, you know, but yeah. in general, no. It's a, 
it's another aspect of making entirely. It's just like, you know, you, you make yeah, accessories. Making shoes would be an entirely different mm. thing for you in your space right now mm. in terms of machinery, how you set it up and, you know, what you do in a day-to-day. So, yeah, I just, I, you know, it wasn't my dream to be a leather crafter, honestly, but it wasn't, it wasn't also my dream to be like, a craft of horns either, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I attained the skills. I enjoyed doing that, but overall, I found more pleasure in dealing with leather than I did with horn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm always trying to find ways that I can bring it back in. So I don't know, make it make sense in a way, you know, like yeah. full circle. But I'm not really driven by that. I'm still driven just by making, continue making, and developing my skills. So yeah, it's uh, it goes on, I guess. Uh, it's interesting that you say about how you expressed your creativity as a child, because I think many people struggle with identifying themselves as creatives, especially because they might be working in jobs. Mm. And when I teach, so many people come and they say, "I've never been creative. I don't not a creative person." And I didn't identify myself as a creative person, but when I look back, I might not have had access to being creative as we see now, maybe with yeah. colours or, or making things. Yes. And what sort of strands do you have in your business? Because you, you, you said you make your own, obviously you make your own products mm. and you make them all yourself. Yeah. And then you make products for... Yeah, other so, brands? Yeah, yeah, other brands and other companies, you mm. know, like um, hoteliers. Um, kind of, well, I'm still trying to find more more points of penetration where I can actually like insert myself mm. into a business or see what I can do for someone or some place. And um, when it comes to interiors, kind of making... I don't know, leather, like furnishings. I don't really do upholstery, mm -hmm. but I'm kind of like upskilling upholstery now because someone said, hey, listen, I have this chair that needs, you know, mm. redoing or I just need something to put on top or I have this bay window and I want like a Frank Horn, like, mm. you know, cushion for it. So I'm finding like I'm, a, I'm applying myself in these spaces, but then also like a restaurant making menus or mm. coasters mm. for hotels or folders for you know rooms and key holders and stuff like that um yeah so there's there's there are different strands and i'm open to all of them unless it's mm. so like exhausting that it makes no sense for how small i am because i'm still quite constrained by space and and costs so and is it just you working in your it is just me. business yeah yeah so how do you manage i don't that? <laughs> <laughs> i don't i'm i'm crawling from place to place mentally. Um, so I think just by dividing, just by knowing what I need to do, structure, mm. organization. Um, and if it gets really busy, like Christmas time, then I'm allocating a space where I do nothing, where I, you know, for the first six hours of the day, I don't have a phone. I turn off all the, like, do not disturb, no noise, and I make. make. And then there are times where, okay, actually, I might have to get someone in to help. And I've been looking and I've been trying. Yeah. And I have had 
like people come and like you know but I guess it touches back on that thing that looks it looks glamorous on Instagram but in reality it's mm. painstakingly you know you have to be very careful and letters unforgiven yeah. if you mark it up the wrong way that's it you know if you yeah. cut it the wrong way that's it so um, I don't know I'm, I would say I would say I'm managing terribly but I'm getting better at it yeah. I'm getting better at it. But I think it's refreshing to hear that because we all sit in our studios on our own and we post our happy po- our happy photos. Yeah. And we're literally all just drowning. <laughs> and it is hard to do all of the things yeah. and it is hard to move it from a hobby to a business. Sorry, a hobby to something that sustains itself and then to take it to a next level where it's a business, but where you then also want to maintain the things that are important to you, which is the making. Yeah. Because that's that's the struggle of how do you still maintain that yeah. without without uh how do you grow the profit how do you grow the brand uh, and it's an investment to bring people in you have to still train Big them one. you have to still get them up to speed yeah. and it, it is hard because the few times i've had people working for me you then end up spending all your time hovering over them and correcting uh, them and or, saying, yeah you yeah, end up you end up training them and then them. you lose time so yeah. It, it is hard to even take that next the next step the next step so yeah. I've been thinking about I that actually uh, yeah I've been thinking about it a lot I'm sure you have been as well mm. the mm. right way to do it or the best way to do it for you for me mm. you know and now I guess our respective environment it's just a very difficult thing when there's so much to factor in mm. your daily costs your actual vision, what you want to achieve, how you want to achieve it. Cause that's another big part, you know, you know, do you want a business that just where you churn stuff out or do you want a business that's, you know, sustainable in every aspect? Mm. And I know people, people like greenwashing is a big thing now. When people say things they don't really mean and they don't fully mm. understand. They don't understand it themselves. They really don't understand it. So it's for me, it's like, okay, some parts, like understanding the impact, there's always impact. That's the first thing. Limiting it, great um but also like things cost things not just like financially but there's a cost to everything there's you a know? cost to everything to everything not so, necessarily financial but like yeah the environment to the environment is cost to everything and cost everything that we do in our you kind of have to accept and i don't know i read i read i read this um i think it's a german study on like the they compared like different leathers so i, mm-hmm. I had a, i had a quite a drastic interaction in my studio so oh, what do you do here oh, I make I make leather goods mm. oh do you have any vegan leather you know mm. like no I don't I don't I work with leather mm. I wouldn't choose to pick up a material that could that still requires resources mm-hmm. you just don't understand it and that's fine but you know but no 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 it's bad to kill animals I, of course it is mm-hmm. it is you know but are you a vegan no, no, I eat. So you do eat meat. There is, there is a, there is a, a gap in understanding for sure. Yeah, but yeah, it wasn't my, it wasn't my place to. I don't know. In that moment, anyway, teach that person that whole thing. Mm. Only for them to send me an email. I still have the email till today. Hi, I'm shooting a video for uh, this brand and would like to use your space. I don't know if you remember, but we spoke about 
Leda in your studio. I was like, I remember quite, you know, wrestling. No, no, um, just remind me of the instance. And they did. I'm like, then I look at I look at the brand and mm. I'm, this is not something that I do, but I, I find it quite interesting that you had such, you know, drastic views on real leather to vegan leather and you're making a video and you're, you know, you're making money from a company that is using terrible, terrible products, terrible materials, mm. you know, that have a bigger impact. They were using vegan leather, you mean? A vegan alternative. <laughs> yeah, well, they were using like... Polyurethane. Yeah, you know, polyurethane. Ultimately, everything that we do has an impact. Mm. And the way that we are conditioned now is to think that we can live in a world where we have no impact. Mm. And that's not the case. And we have to consider our impact and also feel how that feel that for us. Because what everything in the world wants to do is to remove the feelings from us so that we act automatically, whether that be responding to something and buying something or going out and spending on an online shopping spree. It's to remove any feelings we might have, good or bad. Mm. I think we need to feel them. We need to feel guilt. We need to feel happiness. We need to feel all of the things so that we can make the decisions based on our values. Because if we don't, then Mm. we'll get led by whatever we're told. And so it's obviously an easy thing to say uh, killing animals is bad. But when we look at the nuance of any conversation, Mm. you realize that there are different ways of being. Because we all want to get to the same place. And there are different ways of doing things that can achieve the same yeah. outcome in the end so yeah it's it's for me it's not a difficult conversation to mm. to explain i personally am just making sure that everything in my life is using natural materials yeah. rather than things that are ultra processed yeah. because i think that anything that is ultra processed is because of wanting to extract more profit. And I think it's better to engage in something and improve it. So by me being involved in the leather industry and and accepting that just because I use leather, that doesn't mean that I advocate for animals being mistreated. And so, but then I need to confront that and say, does that mean that just because I don't advocate for it, that means it doesn't happen? No, it still happens. Okay, so what can I do to make sure that as someone that uses leather and that is also against animal cruelty, how can I engage in systems to make sure Mm. that we improve that but if i just exit from it then and if if you people just exit from everything that it doesn't change the world it yeah. just it just means that you're not being a part of it yeah yeah i think i think it's it's a difficult thing and i i feel exactly as you feel but i think there's just one thing is i i don't know if i can like be so accommodating in educating Mm. at that specific moment, if you know what I mean. Like someone knocks on your door while you're making, Mm. you have competing priorities, you know what Mm. I mean? There are things that need to get done. And maybe this is not the best moment for me to tell you, 
about mm. what I think about this and how I feel and that, that my, you know, my actions in mm. countering my impact or, or otherwise. Mm. And it's just a, it's just a, it's a, it's an intricate maze to kind of, you know, like maneuver. And I think there needs to be more clarity what people are actually buying when it comes mm. to alternative materials, you know, and I don't know. I, I did this whole video and I just thought it was just, it just felt negative. So I never, I never actually mm. published it, mm. you know, because I think a lot, well, it was negative possibly if I'm being honest about how I felt and that came out in a video, mm. you know, but I have the study right next to me. I'm thinking, but it shows that this is the real geeky side. Mm. Ten styles, you know, like the strength of leather compared to the alternatives is unmatched. The longevity of leather mm. compared to the alternatives is unmatched. The the actual like eco cycle, the, the full circle, mm. you, know, you know, you take vegan leather, if you bury, it will decompose. Some of these alternatives mm. will not, you know. So it's, it's for me, it's like the information is still there. Mm. Mm. Um, I just have to find a good way of bringing it out for the people that do follow me and, you know, like understand what I do. But I, I will say though, in having conversations with people, there are more positive outcomes. Mm -hmm. Like saying to a vegan, the best bet is actually a vegetarian wallet. If mm -hmm. you want something that lasts and has less impact, mm -hmm. how is that? Well, the fact that it lasts longer and it has no petroleum mm -hmm. derivatives and there's no PU and there's this and that. It's like, I didn't think about it. And I said, okay, you've actually also bought um, an alternative lever wallet. How is it going? Not very well. This is mm -hmm. it. This is what I want. Show you. This is what I'm asking you what you can do. I'm like, Mm. this is seven years old. Mm. That's a difference, you know? So, you know, there is real life examples out there, mm. but also it comes down to responsibility and how much responsibility you feel you have in educating someone in that moment mm. of time or spending time out to do a video. But I think it, it's also beneficial to us because we actually encouraging and educating mm. people on why what we do is better and how, mm. oh, I don't want to say better, people might have, issues with that but why it is probably why it's a, important a to you. material yeah, yeah why it's important to me as well i think you just know. in the act of making you're already doing it because you're already communicating your values and uh, i hope so that's education in itself yeah, yeah. I, hope so. I wanted to also ask about the process of you going through this journey of your brand to date because you said that you've still not taken any lessons. You just completely self-taught and, and you just went in it all by yourself. How has it been? For example, for me, I'm at Cockpit, which is still uh, very much a, an institution in itself. Yeah. And so I've, I've, I've gone down the route of going through different institutions and having studios and stuff like mm. that. But you literally learned something or... Yeah, you learned something yourself. You went to the market, you did it, you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, if you will. And has that been how it's been the whole time? Like, how have you even figured things out throughout the, the way? Um, you know, my, I'll, I'll refer to my mom first. She, she, she said to me, oh, the, the things you made before were better because they were hand stitch I said man I still I still, I still hand stitch because mm. yeah I said you know what it is the difference is the thread is, was thicker then mm. I had no knowledge on thread weights and you know like mm -hmm. you know what I mean different sizes of thread for different applications for mm. bags to wallets yada 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 um, but 
I've managed it all by, I guess, luckily, I've had, I've had a wallet. I've had a belt. Mm. I've had a bag. So I can actually compare what I'm making to what's in front of me. Um, it's not always great, but it's different. Mm. So I ask myself, okay, is this the difference that I'm going to push? If it is, then I'm okay with it. Do you know what I mean? So um, I think I think it's good that I haven't learned formally. I think it's good and bad, actually, to be honest with you. Because I think, I, I still feel like, like I said earlier on, I might be missing out on something, you mm. know? Like, perhaps, I think I feel my whole designing process might be smoother mm. if I take some formal education on this. What about, what do you think would be different? Like sampling and templating, do you know what I mean? Mm. So when I started, I was always like um, cutting paper out. Okay, it looks about right, that's the size. And then I'll measure it and then mm -hmm. that's great. I'll use that as a template. And then obviously I know how to use CAD. So I started using mm -hmm. CAD because that was a quicker process. So I can literally draw out mm -hmm. the shape if I needed to print it out, compare it, cut that, you know, and I still do that. Mm. Um, but I I bought I bought my splitter from from a guy who made leather goods yeah. and he had a like a, a bunch of all these like templates on his mm -hmm. wall and I was like, oh shit, that looks good, but the amount of space you would need for all the trials mm. is like it's quite whereas I have an I have a I have a drive that has all my designs in it. If I need to I can print mm -hmm. it out. So I guess it's I don't know if it's safer that way. But having to go from computer to table, I imagine maybe harder, whereas um, templating on card. Mm. So I template on card, but I I don't know if I'm if the way I'm doing it is right. But it works. you're assuming that, right? So exactly. you actually have no idea. I have no idea. So you're doing something, it works, it works for you, you have a product, and yet you're still judging that process and yeah. assuming that there's some I'm person always... out there or something out there that's doing it right. No, no. I'm always like infatuated with waste. Mm. And sometimes that can be time as well. Mm. That's the biggest the biggest one is am I spending too much time in designing? Because don't like but you I don't know. I don't You're know. just assuming that uh, yeah, there's a yeah, right yeah, way yeah. of so doing it question. where someone is saving time. Because yeah. that happens to me too. Yeah, like yeah, throughout yeah. the whole process of me making, yeah. I do not judge I do not trust myself. So ah. I'm making it just like you're making your patterns and you're yeah. trusting that your process, you're not trusting in your process. And does your, of course, there are different ways of doing things, right? Mm. Somebody might template differently. Yeah, Somebody I question might, my process. Yeah, that's the, I, trust I think it, that's the but difference. I question it. Yeah, which is good, which is good. I, I question suppose. it. The main thing is, okay, could I have done that quicker? Could you have done it better or better, better for you or differently? More efficient, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there is no right way. and I, I don't, don't think there is a right way. No, there, You think there is? No. Or you don't think there is? No, right, I don't right. think there is a right way. Mm. But I think there are, you can learn from the ways that people, people have done do. It. Yeah. yeah. Ultimately, there's just your way. Yeah. But you can learn from other people and say, I like that bit, how you do something. I can incorporate that into what I do mm. to make things better for me. And yeah. I, th I think that's where the thing about education can get in the way, especially for craft, because you can think, like I did, mm. that I don't know. And now that's something I have to challenge within myself, which is before I go out and do something, mm. I always think, oh, but I don't know. 
I need right. to know. <laughs> and right, yes, yeah, of course, yeah. to a degree, we do need to know and we do need to learn. Yeah. But it shouldn't be something that holds you back because you will always not know something. Mm. In 10 years time, you'll be doing something. You'll always not know something. It's yeah. the element of being a yeah. human, but also just in business, you're always like before you didn't know how to take good photographs. Now mm. you do. So true, true. It's a fine balance yeah. between there is a balance. being there is. ignorant and just not like yeah. questioning it all yeah, and then yeah, yeah. letting it completely stop you and think, I've got to know all the things before I can take action. Yeah, I think that's probably Because you will why, never know all of the things. That's probably why I, I, I continue because at the end of the day, I still have an end product. Mm. I still actually create this thing. Yeah. I still do it. You are doing so it. So I'm not, yeah, so I'm not it. always, I, I, I'm not like downtrodden on B. I'm thinking, ah, could I have done it better? Maybe, I don't know, mm. you know. And then I think, okay, cool. But if the actual objective is to have a final product, I reach mm. the actual goal, I cross that line. And you're, so, and you're selling them. And it's selling. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I think, okay, because that's why I haven't done it. That's why, where did you train? Or where did you, where did you take, where did you take a class? Uh, I've taken a few classes with different craftspeople. So okay. that's what I did. Yeah. Uh, because in this country, there isn't like, like formal training as such. Yeah. You can go to saddlery school, but you can't, you can't go and do a year and learn how to make leather goods. So. Yeah. I, I think that's changed now. You can now, can't you? Can you in this country? You can. Yeah, maybe. The, I, mean, I mean, apart it's from not a degree, like, I mean, like, oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you yeah. can go to a fashion school and learn how to make accessories yeah. and shoes, but yeah. I'd already done a degree and I wasn't going to go and do, do another, another degree. One. So for me, it yeah. was just about how can I learn things uh, mm. and and then practice it myself. So yeah. I think in total, I might have just done eight weeks of learning over the yeah, over yeah, the whole yeah. time, if if that. So it still is really by. Uh, practicing practice and is always going to yield yeah i don't know something mm. a better product a better process uh i don't know you know but i really like the idea of practicing because i really like the idea of getting my hands dirty mm. and figuring mm. out i do get frustrated though it's very frustrating i have a shape and it's not really because you know it's not just about designing sometimes it's also about okay, you have to make 50 of these or 20 mm, of these. Mm. Like if I do get like 10 orders, I have to make it. This is not going to be easy. So it's also changing how I make. Mm. So that's where that most frustration comes from, for me, where I'm designing something and I have an, an image or a vision of what I want the mm. end product to be and getting it there is difficult. It's very difficult. It's difficult. And that's why I think if I, if, if, perhaps if I have some training. Yeah, no, just, uh, I think that's the difference. What I'm have to teach myself is that actually part of the creative process is frustration. Yeah. And it's managing oh, that. Man. You're always going to be frustrated because even if someone teaches you, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's just say you go to a school and they teach you in their school on their machinery with their tools. Yeah. As soon as you go back to yours, you it's going to be happen. different. So then you're going to be frustrated. Yeah. So I think the whole creative journey is just a, knowing that you're always going to be frustrated yeah, managing yeah. that and then learning through practice mm. and even then you might be frustrated like i'll do some i learn something i'll i'll be super frustrated and then 
that's always been something that stalled me because I think I'm frustrated because I don't know how to do it. Yes. It's not. It's just a natural part of the process. You think so? It's good to hear you say that. No one's ever said that. Yeah, it's a natural part of so the, the process. So the stalling is a natural part yeah, of the process. Yeah, yeah. Because, it's part of the process. Because you're going to go and do something yourself. It's just like when you're a kid, I imagine. Someone can teach you how to walk, mm. but you're still going to fall over 10 yeah. million times But well, you think kids you are frustrated? Walk. They probably are frustrated. They probably are frustrated. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> they probably are frustrated. Yeah. Like, get it together, legs. Yeah, yeah. I, get, I, I do get that. But also, I this is the thing about being in your own space and being in your mind, which is why You've I like no Leathercraft. One. Yeah. No, but it's not that I have no one, but it's just the fact that I'm consumed by this. You're consumed by your frustration, yeah. Not just my frustration. Yeah. I'm consumed I'm by the consumed. whole thing. Yeah. But the frustration part is the part that However, it derives the most pleasure once you cross that line, you get yeah, it done. So yeah, yeah I get it, I get it. Then it, it starts I get all it. over again. <laughs> then it starts all over again and then you have another design to do and it's like, ah, yeah, 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 I get it. But I, I think that's it. part of the creative process because even when I make a bag, mm. um, you know, I'll learn something, I'll come in my studio, I'll practice it, I'll hate it, I'll be frustrated, I want to destroy it and kill it. and then And then I might get it but then you think that you'll get it the same when you do it again. But that doesn't happen because doesn't. then you'll say, I know I can improve this part. And so mm. you want to improve it. So then you have changed your process and then you'll get frustrated again. So in a way, we also bring it upon ourselves because yeah. we're never happy. And yeah. so we want to be like, oh, I've learned something, yeah. but now I can improve something. And so you want to change it. So you then, yeah. it's, just, it's just a constant... <laughs> process yeah, yeah, of yeah. learning to improve and be frustrated so but do you get frustrated when you are designing and you're making or you're trying to conceptualize something and you understood on your own there's no one else to like bounce bounce things off yeah that's the that's the i think that's the that's biggest, the hard part that's the hard part yeah. but it's also something that i love because i love the process of getting lost in the, the, mm. the well, getting lost in the process so i love being absorbed by something mm. i think for me it's to recognize that the frustration is there and it can sit there and it can be my invisible friend but i it, it doesn't have to control this the story like i can just pat it on the head and say so you, would you say your attitudes changed now as a person since you became a creator to before you were a creator are you more patient or are you less patient? Have you, this might be a thing. I think it's just changed in terms of where the frustration is. Like before the frustration would be externalised. Now the frustration oh. is internalised. So before you can be mad about your job, right? Mm. Now uh, uh, it's just, it's all on me. So I think that's what I have loved about the process of craft over these seven years because it's been a wholly personal journey because mm. you're in the studio i'm in the studio on my own i am responsible for everything yeah. and then the way you are is how i've learned to grow so then you because you can sit in the studio and be frustrated and hate yourself and then then you think but what's going on here why am mm. i behaving this way why am i acting this way so I think for me, the journey of craft up to this point has been very interesting because it's been personally transformative Person. yeah. because you learn about how you respond to yourself, how you talk to yourself, how you engage with other people and, and, and all of the things that come with mm. it because it is a very personal journey. And, and so that development is uh, what I have found fascinating about it because it's been transformative. Right, uh, because it allows for reflection. Well, I've I've made it something. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. 
So what is success for you? I shouldn't compare it to how I feel about things. It's it's difficult one because I don't know if we can ever extract meaning of success from the knowledge that it has to provide financially. This is just the world in which we live in, but mm. I am trying as much as I can to remind myself to remove money from the equation because it doesn't matter who you ask at what stage they will always say they've got a problem with money so yeah. if i am making money the driver of why i do things or why i feel a certain way then it's going to lead me in a direction that is motivated by either having not enough money or um wanting more money you, you know so i try to remind myself that I will always have that anxiety. <laughs> Everybody yeah. has that anxiety. But if you remove money, yes. what is what is what is it? So if I remove money, then this is what I'm trying to tell myself now, which is that what was my motivation for starting my business? Right. And it was that I wanted freedom, freedom. of my time. I wanted to live my life and not go into a confines of now I am going to work at a particular time and I'm leaving at a particular time. Obviously, everyone has different motivations in life. Yeah. But for me, reminding myself that my motivation was freedom. Mm. Freedom to do what I want to do. And so now I, I'm trying to enjoy my life more on a day-to-day -day basis and not to feel guilty that when I am sitting at home enjoying a moment that I I feel guilty that I should be at the studio. So for me, what I'm trying to hone into now is to recognize in any moment, mm. am I am I procrastinating? Am I shutting yes, down? You are. Am I being lazy? Or Am I just enjoying my life because this is what's uh, important to me right now? So it's it's about discerning what is my motivation. Those, you can in do any all those moment. things and still. Sorry. You could do all. You could be. You could procrastinate, be lazy, and still like have fulfillment. <laughs> do you don't think so? What do you mean? In any given moment. So when I'm not at work. So for example, if right. I'm not in my if I'm not in my studio. Right. So for the the past seven years, it's always been this. 24-7 focus, doesn't matter what I'm doing, I always feel guilty. Good, I'm not yeah. working, I'm not working hard enough, I'm okay, not, I especially in the yeah. pandemic when all you had was your work and your studio, I just thought that the harder I work, that I will be able to get somewhere quicker. Why am I not this rhetorical success? Because I also didn't mm. question what it was. We always, what is success? Like we have this idea that we're not there, but we often don't even know what there is. Yeah, we're just yeah, beating yeah. ourselves up with this hypothetical stick of there. Yeah. So now I'm, taking trying to remove all of those layers and then say if i'm not first of all i'm not going to be in the studio and be forcing myself to work 24 7 because mm. that's not the life that i want and it's not the life that i wanted when i left uh, a, a job and so then uh, so i've shrunk down and i've and I make sure I have days off and then I make sure I have time off. Mm. And then I'm thinking when I, so, but, but then when I have time off, I'm still feeling guilty. So then I'm telling myself, why am I feeling guilty? Am I, am I having time off because I deserve time off? In which case I am resting. I deserve this time. 
I shouldn't be working in this time. And so then that takes off another layer, which is that I need freedom. I need to enjoy. Mm. But then, then that's on the next layer now is going back to what I've been thinking about. What is my uh, purpose as a creative person? So as a creative person, I think it's important more than ever or maybe more than other people. No, actually, I think it's important for everything, everyone. I think everybody needs to live more audaciously. We need to do all mm. of the things mm. because for a creative person, I can't give if I'm not full. And so if I'm not experiencing all of the things, if I'm not experiencing all of the joys, all of the highs, all of the lows, all of the struggles, all of the food, all of the experiences, if I'm not living my life mm. to its fullest capacity, I have nothing to give from. And so if I'm only working at some point, I'm mm. going to run out. And yeah. so this is the renegotiation that I'm right. doing with myself, which is when I'm fully experiencing joy, I actually need to go and do it but in that that's when i say i learn, i try and hone myself about those caveats so for example um next week i'm going away mm. i'm going to singapore and bali because it's my 40th birthday Happy and i'm birthday. going to and i'm going to enjoy it but i have to i, I still struggled with it because i'm mm. like why am I going away? I've already been this year to, I've already been this year to India in January and then I went to Dubai and now I'm going away. I'm thinking, but I, but I need to be in the studio. I haven't been in the studio that much. Mm. I'm not producing. So I was feeling really guilty. Yeah. But then I have to think, am I going away because I'm just shutting down and not doing work or am I going away because this is something that's adding to my life that's going to bring me fulfillment and meaning and fill me up so that I can produce I understand so <clears throat> why leather has anyone asked you that yeah yeah okay. yeah 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 of course for me leather was an aha moment really Oh. And I went to law school and I knew that as soon as I went into, as soon as I got to law school, that's, that's all I'd thought about. Mm. Like growing up, I had no idea what I was going to do. And so I just, I, I was good at everything. And so my teacher said to my dad, he should become a doctor. And so I chose all the science A-levels and, and I hated them. <laughs> and I decided that I would do law because at some point someone had come to my school and said that lawyers make a lot of money. And mm. I thought, okay, well, I'm going to need money. So let me do that. And then I got to university and I had this idea that I had this idea that I would meet my people because growing uh, up, I didn't, I wasn't surrounded by my people, whatever uh, that means. I always felt different. I always was different. And the messaging that I got growing up was that the way that I thought, the way that I was, the way that I wanted to be, the way that I expressed myself was not right, was not acceptable. Mm. And so I thought I would meet my people. And then I got there and then I realized that these were not my That's people. Not <laughs> there enough. was nothing there. Have you met that, them? Hmm? Have you met them? Well, at law school, 
No, I mean, in, in general, in life, like, if you, ah. do you feel more accomplished than meeting your people? Are leather crafters your people or are creativity Creativity, yeah. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. So okay. when I got there and realised that, I decided that I needed to do something else. And so it's been a long journey for me, over 10 years of figuring out what that something else is. And... I did lots of different crafts. So I tried lots of different crafts okay. because I was in London and I did lots of short courses, but nothing yeah. appealed to me. I tried metal, I tried wood, I tried uh, ceramics, yeah, I tried yeah, yeah. many different things. But it was only after I qualified as a solicitor that I took a leatherworking course because it's not particularly accessible even now to mm. just go into leather. And so I took a leatherworking course and it appealed to me straight away. So I don't know if we can say that I found the material or whether the material found me, but I, I think that maybe I think that maybe it found me. And, and and actually going back to what we said about education, a lot of the work that I do around my craft is about advocacy mm. of the material. And so as a oh, lawyer, right. I think it's ended it up, it, yeah, it's come naturally to me. So yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I think the material found me. Right. <laughs> and it uses yeah, yeah. me as a vehicle to We need him. That's the guy. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. The, cow, I, I the was, cows found me. I was gonna say, you know, because freedom <laughs> you can you can the freedom of time that you wanted, you could be a metalwork and achieve that. You could be a mm. carpenter and achieve yeah, that. So yeah. that's why I asked why leather. I think in terms of like the practicalities of it. So because I tried all the different materials, <clears throat> for example, if you're working in, and I'm sure the experts in any craft will tell me otherwise, but if you're, when you're working in wool, mm -hmm. when I was working in wool, it seemed quite one dimensional. When you're on a knitting machine, you're just doing the same thing. The material mm. is soft. Um, in woodworking, it's quite the opposite. It's very hard. The yeah. processes are hard. Yeah. I find leatherworking is just such an amazing marriage of so many things. You've got yeah. a soft material, which you apply hard processes to, and yeah. there are many different elements to it. And the material itself is super versatile, mm. not only in terms of the final product, but in terms of the ways that you can process it to do so many things. It's, it's, so it's a never-ending quest. It's actually quite... Um, I, I find it very interesting, obviously, yeah. but I've, like, I really find it interesting because there are so many different types of leather. And I think that's why I really like it, you know? soft temper, medium temper, and hard temper. And mm. for me, that's like, okay. And then you go into the colors and how, mm. you know, you can apply it anywhere. You know, like just even finding out you can have leather flooring and mm, mm. it's pretty, it's, like, it's endless, a pretty, really. it's a pretty like interesting material. And that was, I think that was the, the, the key takeaway. Like the, the thing that actually, when I, when I think about leather, I know it sounds kind of weird. When I think about leather, that's the, one of the most interesting things, how versatile, how, like how much of a wide variety of mm. it there is and then also is the age factor as well not just that leather can grow but it's been used for so long yeah yeah i'm not really sure what else is as time tested as leather you know not many and, things not and, many things yeah i i, I still perhaps but then there was a there was a bronze age there was an iron mm. age so mm. not really whereas we can probably mm. take it back to in itself mm. you know and that's why i find it so like intriguing it's yeah yeah and it, it is enthralled well i am definitely enthralled are, in yeah, it me too. And, <laughs> yeah it's um it's an interesting thing and i well i think at the very least one thing that i know which is why i really like leather craft is even if i hope i don't 
have a business, mm. I will still you be will a still crafter. love it. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's to important. Me is, uh, yeah. That's the most important. I still want to be making. The ability to make is the most important thing to me. Mm. And that's that's the key thing. Like I don't know, I don't know if you were um I think with age, like if I get, I don't know, brittle or I'll still be able to like cut some leather. Mm. That's how I that's how I vision it anyway. Mm. And for me, that's a great that you like, see yourself doing it for I see myself doing it for which is the most important without thing. Uh, without limitation. So yeah, I think I quite like that. You can always learn more mm. and and really push uh, outside the boundaries and what I'm really loving about leather now is that so many people are coming on uh, into the craft and using the medium in new ways not just in functional ways yeah. and I find that really exciting ornamental ways opening up yeah. whole new avenues of using a material yeah so yeah. I'm I find that exciting and, and I and I want to explore that myself because mm. I think I haven't allowed for play in my practice because for me it was always about leaving something that I didn't like mm. and I put too much pressure on my craft right from the beginning for it to provide for me right and so from right from the beginning it was always based on it had to make money it had to be a business and and I think that having that pressure it puts a different yeah. puts a different flavor on what you do and same thing with kind of like what you touched on before same thing with the phone you know your camera mm. i think the fact that we grow up now when we enter the craft and we we know there's going to be a camera looking at what we do mm. so i know that when i go back and i and i and i play i'm going to put the phone away because even yeah. the pressure of feeling that I'm going to have to take a picture of something yeah. and post it. That performative aspect of play, I want to remove that to yeah, see what yeah. happens when yeah. it's just for me. Yeah. And that's going to be hard because I think even when your phone is away, I think we're so trained. We're attached to it. We're attached, we're to, so attached to We're it. attached to performance yeah. because oh, we've been trained. To, to performance. What do you think we are? Attached to performance. I, th I think so because we, we we everything we do has an element of it's going to have to be shared. We're going to have to show it. Mm. So how can we how can we produce without performing? Performing without thinking that we're going to have to perform to show it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and can that come from a different place? I don't know. Mm. So I think being another crafter, a hundred percent, it is. I have to think deeper into it personally. But I think you're probably right. Everything about life is performative or we've been attached or we attached to it. Um, oh yeah, well I guess it is. I guess it is because the very the very existence of or the very like instance of me being in craft is a performative thing. Performing a ritual or right for my dad's passing is what mm. got me into Levercraft, you know mm. what I mean? Um, honoring him which is why we bought the cow in the first place that is performative to, so mm. I, I, I get I, yeah I would agree then for me it's more about how how my work would be if it wasn't about that performance what I mean by that is that because I derive 
so much of my worth from what I do <clears throat> because growing up, the messaging, as I said, the messaging that I had was that I was not good enough just being myself. Really? And so I derive a lot of my value and my meaning from my work. And in that case, I need to be perfect. I don't actually know if my personal aesthetic is perfection. <laughs> it, it might be really rustic work. I don't know. Right, right. But because I because I would never be able to put something out there mm. unless it was perfect, because if it's not perfect, then it could be criticised. And if it could be criticised, I'm criticised. And if I'm criticised, then I'm wrong and I have no value. So I'd, I don't even know what my true aesthetic could be. I don't know. I don't know what I would produce. So that aspect of performance in terms of things being perfect not just in my work and my craft and what i produce now right. but just anything not being able to make a mistake or not being able to to do things because actually there's no such thing as perfection and and and, and that i still have value and meaning and can be seen even mm. though i'm not perfect but was the inadequacy because like the or the feeling of inadequacy was that because of society or was that familial? Like what was when you said you went you didn't feel like that when you were younger or like was that because of family or if you weren't a doctor if you weren't an engineer mm. if you weren't was that society? Because what's for, your heritage? You you Indian? Yeah, you Indian. For me, oh, okay. it's, for me <laughs> it was a family thing, right? And it's being a first generation. Ah, in this country right and well as you know things are different yeah back home yeah and it's really hard when <clears throat> your parents have done things differently mm. and they come from a different culture Were they professionals and the, uh, they they everyone in my family is self-employed and okay. they they're actually from Malawi so ah. it's also the way that i experience my culture is maybe three or four times removed because mm. i'm in this country i was born here my parents were born in Malawi their parents were born somewhere else they're, so it's not it's very much an indirect way of receiving culture and so being here and being born here, mm. automatically you're different because you're adopting two or multiple cultures. And so the way that I think, it's different now because my family is also caught up because, right. but, when you, but when I was the first one, right. <laughs> so I dealt with the brunt of being different because I was the first one that they experienced that was adopting right. different ways of being and thinking and existing. And so, and so just that existing in, in multiple cultures yeah. in this country, then if I was to express a way that I think about something yeah, or whatever, yeah. or what I might want to study or mm. any, anything, I think. So do you, do you have siblings? Yes. You're the oldest? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I, so yeah. and my dad is also the oldest. So oh, I am the, yeah, 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 yeah. the front line of a new generation. Yeah. And so that's what I mean. Just generally yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, being, being yeah. the, pioneer so that's that's actually quite <laughs> it's interesting it's quite uh a burden yeah do you, you feel you feel it sorry you feel it 
you feel the pressure from the burden is what I'm mm, saying. Mm. And also, uh, my dad had an older brother and his name was Yusuf and he died when he was young. So all of the pressure of this now saint-like person who who died young was put on me because I was mm. the first one that was born. So not only did I have to fulfill everything for my nuclear family, but also my extended family because I was the Yusuf uh, who... But was that communicated to you? Uh, yes, I think so, directly and indirectly. Right. Even when someone talks about someone that dies when they're young, they will, it's always, you know, it's always going to be idealized. Yeah, you know? yeah, and so yeah. So it's like, he was so great. He was, so you, indirectly you think he yeah. was this person that was just amazing. Right. <laughs> and, and, also, and, and even my grandma yeah. would say, you know, that you're named after my son. And yeah. I, think, I think directly and indirectly it's communicated that there's this person who is larger than, larger than life mm. and, and that you have to live up to the expectation of this. yeah yeah i had a very different <laughs> upbringing from you definitely because and i think that probably tr um translates or it's definitely spills into probably why i'll just go ahead and do and i, mm. I didn't go for any formal training is because actually my parents told me i could do whatever i, I mm. wanted to do and they didn't just say it but they actually like they propagated it and everything. Do you know what I mean? Like there was no one thing that I could do or mm. I should do. Um, there, there, there are obviously as an African child expectations, mm. um, but I, and I'm the only son, mm. you know? So <clears throat> I think I had to confront myself about this because I had a friend who was thinking the same thoughts, like, oh my gosh, the pressures from, you know, mm. growing up and stuff like that. I said, I get it, but you know, like, I haven't had to think about that. And mm. probably one of the reasons why is because I didn't really have a negative experience on the pressures of like, you know, what to be or what to become. Mm. But there was always a connotation of being successful. And I don't know what that success looks like yeah. as a child, you know what I mean? But if it's if it's going to school, okay, I went to school. If it's being good at these studies, okay, to a degree I did that as well quite well. Um, but I don't know what success didn't like there was no image of success apart from mm. achieving you know but i don't know i yeah maybe that's also obviously that's now like inlaid in my character where it's like okay i actually believe i can do and that's what that's what this meme of like um being a creator and it's like oh um i have this um can do fallacy where I believe I can do anything this and I just got to try it. but I actually don't think I could do anything I just know I can try and if I understand well, something yeah. I know I'm good with it you know so but I think trying is important trying is very important yeah because yeah. you also don't know until you try yeah what you did your know. parents do my mom's a nurse my dad was an engineer mm. um, but they didn't place any of those expectations on you no no they didn't I think my dad was more, I probably, probably when I messed up the most, he was more like, get your shit together, mm. you know? And my mom was more, um, push yourself, mm. encouraging. I, not that my dad wasn't encouraging, but I also like losing him so early, mm. there's a there's a gap now of, gosh, half yeah. Life almost. Exactly, yeah. half, literally half. So, you know, it's just, this thing where it's like, I don't know what he would feel about this. Yeah. I don't know how he would feel about it. Because obviously, even when I started, his mom was like, okay, you're going to give up your job mm. to do this. Mm. 
And I was like, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm going to do it. But even then it wasn't, you're doing something wrong. Mm. There's also a part of me that I believe, you know, whatever you choose to do, you also have to prove yourself in the theater of life. Mm. You have to make people understand or kind of bring them onto the journey of why you believe what you believe. You know what I mean? So you mm. have to make something out of it to cement why you chose to do it. <clears throat> um, but that being said, if I wasn't any good at it, I think it would just be, well, you tried. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Get back to work now. <laughs> you know, so there's always that thing where there's space to, to try something. I I think from my upbringing anyway, because I tried so many different things growing mm. up. Like, you know, I, I could play with anything that I wanted to. Played with computers, played with radios, played with, you know, like wood. You know, there was never a thing, oh, no, don't do that. Oh, mm. like, you will be doing this when you're older. So go learn this. Mm. Um, it was more you like this than you know kind of like go ahead and encourage you through it so I think that's a good thing but I think that's also why I feel like you know I can just look at something try and reverse engineer it and then say okay I'm mm. going to make this and then I start cutting up shapes to make that happen you know you know what I find really interesting mm. is that I think also in your culture and in mine is that many people are self-employed like if you go to Nigeria and if you go to Malawi or if you go to India, so many people yeah. are self-employed. It's yeah. actually a way of life. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, Whereas the, that's the norm. When, yeah, it's the norm. That's the norm. People get by. Yeah. And then for some reason, when 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 the kids say that we're going to, even everyone in my family is self-employed, yeah. but somehow when I said that I was going to leave the law to do something creative and start my own business, mm. I don't know if it was just because it's creative or it was a business that they didn't understand, but it it was it was seen as well. Why are you leaving something that you studied for to do this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting how they switch. Uh, yeah. Well, I think it's just this idea that this push towards education is the only way to 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 self improve. Yeah, uh, there are historical and, factors and, and about and it, yeah. it, and it's not to say that obviously yeah. education isn't worthwhile. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I really liked I really liked education to the point where I considered doing a PhD. Mm. You know, but I think even I had to say to myself, why do I want to do this still? Mm. And I think in all honesty, a big part of me was I know somehow like my mom would love it. Mm. You know mm. what I mean? Like, mm. okay, yeah, you know, like Doctor. Yeah, <laughs> well, not so much, but you know, like you 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 achieved that. Because there's there's a you know, apart from being encouraging, when you encourage someone, I think you also you kind of share in the glory of it when they mm. when they achieve something, you know what I mean? And I think with our coaches, you know, like parents are a big part of it and how they view and how they see and how we I know honor them or, you know, like mm. say, Yeah, that means they did a good job, you know. So yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. But I don't know. Would you when say I, that your mum is proud of you now? I don't think so. No, no, Jackie, that she is. <laughs> no, she def she definitely is, and I think she she she's more she's more braggy now about it as uh. well. Yeah, you know, like she was in my studio, so you know she's retired, but she still works. Yeah, she she can't she can't do anything. You know, she can't do nothing. Can't sorry, do nothing, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, she was in my studio. I was like, okay, she, okay, I was, I was gonna come, okay, my boy, you come, just let me know when you come. So she comes, and she's like, okay, so uh, what am I making? And I was like, you actually want to make? You know, she was like, yeah. And then she ends up making a bag and now she carries it everywhere. Oh, I made this in my son's studio and this yeah, is like this thing now. Where, <laughs> yeah, and even the things that I've made for her before, she doesn't really carry it. But what she made in my studio with me, 
that 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 way you need to train her up then and hire her. i need to train her up and it'll be cheap labor as well you know <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't really need the money so she's retired so yeah but that was you know that's 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 kind of it's a part of me where it's like i really that's why i actually enjoy it but i feel even more to it now because i, I i've kind of made her understand what it is what it is why i like it and i think she knows that she gets it now so it's like mm. even like her thinking, oh my gosh, like people buy your things. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the really expensive ones. Mom, trying to put the price up. Because really, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's it's great having or helping her understand that. Because it also makes me feel more fulfilled as well, to be honest with you. Because mm. you know, I guess, you know, through their eyes and all that kind of stuff. So it's quite, it's quite interesting. So yeah, yeah. It's... Yeah. What do you think your dad would say to you? Hmm? What do you think your dad would say to you if he was around? I have no right idea. What do you think? Um, I think probably he's, he would definitely be, I know, happy or proud to a degree because I am my own and that's something that we encourage, you know, and he's always, you know, kind of say, listen, you will be your own person. You'll, you know, you'll, you know, um, have your own, be your own because that's kind of what we encourage in, in our culture. So... I don't know. I, th- I think he'd be happy with it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Thank you for listening to Outside the Craft with me, Yusuf Osman. My guest today was Uzo Okosa. You can keep the conversation going with us on Instagram at Yusiko and find out more about Uzo at Frank Horn London.